0: chapter 6 verse 63 Jesus said the words that I speak unto you they are spirit and they are life a warm welcome to the refreshing word of Calvi Baptist Church you are in for an uplifting time in God's word enjoy the message let
1: us pray we are before you our dear God and Father by the Lord of all mercy, the Lord of all flesh, thank you again that we have the opportunity to interact with your word. Holy Spirit, give me the ability to share your word. But even as your word goes forth, you do what you do best. The correction, the healing, the direction, the encouragement. Above all, even the hidden things that you can reveal and direct. To your glory and honor. As this in Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for making time to join me as we bring to you this pulpit ministry from Calvary Baptist Church. We've been going through the book of Timothy, First Timothy. God's word is God's word. But when you call it First Timothy, we are not saying it was written by Timothy. In fact, Sometimes this causes confusion. Let me just clarify. Our understanding of the Bible is that the Holy Spirit spoke through holy people of old and caused them to write God's word. So it is God's word. The Bible is God's word. But God used people and God addressed situations in context. So When we see the book of Timothy, it was actually written by the Apostle Paul. Timothy was put in charge of the church in Ephesus. Paul said he was led by the Spirit to put Timothy there. He had observed this young man, he was full of the Spirit, full of enthusiasm. He put him there. Then Paul knew that his end was coming, even if his end was not coming. The young man was having issues with the church. How does a young man organize his life? How does he organize the church? So he wrote these things, which I believe he wrote after interacting with the spirit of the living God, and God gave him these words. These words written in the first century have been read over and over and over again, and they have proved useful as a template even today after the guiding of the church. That is why we say the Bible It's God's word. God used Paul as a vessel. He wrote to Timothy, a young man facing real issues. So you can go back and research the issues that Timothy was facing and see whether it was addressed. So you can find out from your church, your community, your nation, what issues are you facing. And you find out that there's nothing new under the sun. God had already addressed those issues. In 1 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 1 to 7, here, Paul is talking about leadership in the church. Lord, bless your word to us richly as we expound on it. As far as the New Testament is concerned, we find that some terms are used. Pastor, bishop, elder, deacons, Overseers, all of them playing very many roles in the Bible. My point today is not to try and distinguish between all of these things. Most times there is very little in terms of trying to understand it. Bishop, overseer, and pastor are used to refer to the same people. And the deacons is another office it's used to refer to so we will not get into that the pastor sometimes is referred to as a shepherd one who leads the flock of god but the important thing we see here is when we are talking about leadership god is concerned here about the qualifications of those who are to lead the church of god the title may be important but it's more important to god the qualities the characteristics of these people. What are they supposed to be? What should they be like? What should we look out for them? What should be in them before they say, oh, I'm leading the flock of God. Let me say it up front that we do not believe that it is teaching that bishops, pastors, and leaders, they are to be sinless. No. But what is saying that there must be the desire in the life of the preacher, the teacher, that yes, I want to grow into this image of Christ. Those who you lead must also understand that you are their teacher, you are a human being, but the grace of God is also on you. And you must also understand that you have the responsibility to grow into the image of Christ. So... There were pastors or elders and bishops that were set up for the church. As the church was growing, there had to be multiplication of leaders. In fact, the 12 apostles found it necessary to call some people to help them as early as Acts chapter 6. And they gave the qualification. These must be men who are spoken well of. They must be able to be filled with the spirit of God, have a good testimony. And they chose seven people to help them. Who is qualified to lead the church of God? Paul gives 16 qualifications for the person who is expected to serve as an elder, as a bishop, and as a pastor. And we'll look at some of these 16 to the various degrees. Some of them may overlap. First, he says the person must be blameless. A bishop must be blameless. A pastor must be blameless. The word literally means Nothing to take hold on them. That is, there must be nothing in the person's life that Satan or the unsaved person can take hold of to criticize or attack the church. I've said it already. There's nobody who is sinless. But you must not be under the bondage of Satan. Like you are a compulsive liar. You are a pastor. However, <laughs> you can lie. You are a cheat. You are a womanizer. You are a thief. When even people see you, they know to ask for this one. No, 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 no. He is just you are a foodian. The there was one guy we wanted he was wanted to be a pastor. When I was saying Kumasi, someone says to me, This man wants to be a pastor. And I said, Well, he preaches well. He said, Pastor, you wait. When you see the man at a funeral and he's eating and drinking, you know that he's not qualified to be a pastor. And I said, why? He said, no, 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 no. So he came to see me. That He knows they were talking about him. I said, yes. He said, a pastor must be blameless. He said, yeah. But sinless? He said, no. He said, the way you behave, when you go to a funeral, you see food, you see drink, you see women. Then you become a, something like an animal, excuse me. He said, is that so? He said, yes. They think it embarrasses them, so you cannot be their leader. Unless you have enough self-control, and God is helping you, so he said, "Yeah, you must be blameless, nothing to take hold of you." Has a stronghold that is so obvious that as not as they mention your name. People said, "No, no, no, no. This man cannot be a growing child of God. Watch it. Next one, it must be the husband of one wife." He didn't say that by all means the person must marry. But he says, if you marry, you must be the husband of one wife. You see, that's God's design from the beginning. A man and a woman for life. So God cannot contradict himself and give different standards. Some have argued that, oh, Solomon had uh, 700 wives and 300 concubines. So what's the big deal? The Bible is not saying you must marry, but it says if you want to marry, you must have one wife. All the qualifying adjectives here suggest that it must be one wife. Paul himself was certainly not married. Whether he married and divorced a wife, the wife died, scholars argue about that, but we do not know. He says himself, was not married, we do not know. But he says if you want to marry, my one wife. Now, why should a pastor be prohibited from having two, three, four, five wives? Well, most times God does not give us reasons for those things. He just tells us. I like the Bible because, see, God doesn't waste his time to give reasons. But when you see certain behavior, so Solomon had his 700 wives and 300 concubines. And 1 Kings 11, 1, we are told, when he was old, his wives turned his heart after their gods and he was sacrificing left right them. I remember there's one time somebody was arguing with me about this, about African custom. We the church, we spoiled there are more women than men and all of that. I said, look, God's word is simple. If you say God has called you to be a pastor, have one wife. Say, why can't you have or three or four wives. That's our custom. Then there was a priest who wrote a note and gave it to me to read to the person. And the the, the ninja said, an African proverb says, a man who has two wives has many tongues. A man who has many, many women in his life has many tongues. And I quoted it to the journalist. what do you mean? I said, you think about it. You go here, you go here, you go here, you do this, you do all of that. Anyway, I'll not even go to that. It just says if you want to be, or if God has called you, you must be blameless, you must be the husband of one wife. Then it says you must be able to manage your own house well, you must be able to manage your own marriage. The ability you have to manage your home is an indication. No home is perfect. No marriage is perfect. But you must be able to handle the marital difficulties and the challenges that are in your home. Then he says you must be vigilant, which means you must be temperate. What does it mean? Temperate in all things. Keep your head cool. Be a cool head. A pastor needs to be sober, sensible in judgment, and not just rash. Anything you hear, you want to say it, first to know, first to gossip. People say things to you and you you are just saying it everywhere. No. You must have that character. The Spirit of God must fill you. You see, so the thing that God is giving us here is the marking scheme. Has he called you to be a leader? Are you sure you know the standards? Are you crying to him? Are you praying to him? Are you working at it? You want to ordain somebody as a pastor? You say, God has called you. Are you working on it? Are you vigilant? Are you temperate? Are you sober? Then he says sober. He starts on his own. Sober. That you must have a serious attitude and be earnest about his work. You see, he doesn't say that you should be so grave. It must be so boring. You can have a sense of humor. But he's not saying you should be always so serious. Right? And nothing will cause you to even laugh. No. You are always serious. To be sober means that you know the value of things. You know the value of the word of God. You do not play with it. You do not cheapen the ministry. You do not go for foolish behavior. When the thing is right, it is right. When it is wrong, it is wrong. Be sober minded. Let's say you must be of good behavior. Again, it means you must be orderly in the things you do. The pastor should be organized in your thinking, organized in your speech, organized in your living. Why? Because sometimes you, the pastor, you end up as a role model for others. They'll be looking at you. So if your life is not organized, you are a scatterbrain. You tell people to come. Yes? Uh, Come at 4 o'clock. And by 7 o'clock, you have not even arrived yet. Church starts at 10 11 o'clock, you are not even there yet. What, 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 what really is the example you are showing to people? You must be organized in your behavior, in your teaching. You must be modest. He says in First Timothy chapter 2, read that from verse 19, the kind of thing that he says, if there is a woman, see that woman, I mean, for instance, even, for even a woman, you are dressing, you must be modest. You must not be the first to wear the latest fashion. Neither should be, you be the last to put away some of the kolo dressing. No, some of us wear dresses that uh, people stopped wearing long, long time ago because he, he said, no, no, be modest. Don't be following fashion. Be modest. Is it wrong for a pastor to wear so expensive clothing I remember when we were in Bible school, somebody asked one of our teachers, what is wrong with wearing a nice suit, a very expensive suit, a very expensive shoe, because they last longer? And The professor was an elderly man. He said, yeah, thank you for raising that. If you can afford it by all means, dress well, dress nicely. And he knows from his own experience that the nice and expensive things, sometimes they last longer. But the issue is this, what will you do when, for instance, you are wearing that nice shoe, that nice dress, and a church member approaches you, a child, a little child approaches you, will you be able to carry that child? Will you be able to kneel down? Are you willing to fall down in the spirit and anoint you? Or if there's an accident, are you willing to stop somewhere to help somebody? In that expensive car, in that expensive shoe. Then he said, look at a good Samaritan. What did he do? Why was he a good Samaritan? He was rich, probably. He had, the animal was the equivalent of a car that he had. Everything around him showed that he was a man of means. But he was willing to go down. Be of good behavior. Be a good example and help somebody. And that is why he became the star. In Jesus' story, when the professor said that, we were struck that it is not just the outward, outward, trapping, but what you do with what you have, your heart. You see, I was saying First Timothy two nine, He said in like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with improp- with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair, or gold or pearls. Or costly clothing. He's talking about women, but there are men who can dress more expensively than even women. I've said it, that it is not necessarily the expensiveness of the clothes that he's talking about. Yes, if you can afford it, fine, but don't go and borrow money to do all these things to show off to anybody. But when you are wearing those things, what do you do with it? The next one, apart from being of good behavior, You must be given to hospitality. I think the parable of the Good Samaritan covers that already. Hospitable, loving strangers. It was an important ministry in those days. where they didn't have so many hotels, it is still an important ministry today. Will you be willing to invite somebody at home? Even not at home, at church. Uh, Are people welcome to you? Will you give somebody a smile? Would they be able to approach you? Are you easily approachable? And there are some who do not like anybody. They are loners. But it cannot be that as a pastor. A pastor is a shepherd. He has sheep. Good sheep. Bad sheep. Sometimes in our flock, they are, we jokingly say they are goats. They are squirrels. They are all of that. But once God has put you there, that is the flock he has given you. Can you imagine that Jesus had Judas in his midst? Can you imagine that there was these sons of Zebedee, the sons who wanted fire to be called to burn a village? They were accompanying Jesus. Can you imagine that Peter, a man who sometimes could talk and say all kinds of things, was a disciple of Jesus? But they saw the refinement of their master. They saw his temperance. They saw the way he had time for them. The way he had patience for Thomas. He said, unless I see I put my hand there, I will not believe. He said, okay. Son, come. You see, put your hand there. Say, said, my master and my God. So he's asking us to be like him. And friends, all these things are saying, be like Jesus. Be like me. Be like your master. You are not there yet, but keep pressing on. That is why... When you are falling short or somebody points out your weakness to you, you must be willing to accept it. Sometimes people say things that are not true. But if what they are saying, one, two, three people draw our attention to it, we must be willing to accept it. Because you also must be willing to teach others. And that's the next one. Apt to teach. Teaching. Teaching is one of the key qualities of anybody who wants to be a pastor or a teacher. Teaching the Word of God is one of the ministries God has given to the church. In fact, many scholars believe that pastors and teachers in Ephesians 4.11 refer to two functions of the same office. A pastor and a teacher, two sides of the same coin. A pastor must automatically be a teacher. And that is important. Because what is your primary tool? It is the Word of God. As you study the Word of God, it is work. You go to the book, you read through it, you pray about it, you go through the words, you try and find out how to expand it, how to find application, and ask God to teach you how you can communicate with your people. The Bible is not for information only, it is for information, but more importantly, it is for transformation. The pastor who is lazy in his study is a disgrace in the pulpit, because you cannot see. That is teaching well, or even he understands anything that he's saying. And the Bible says we must beware of this. So God gives this qualification. Are you a teacher? Are you called to teach? You see, there are some teachers who are gifted teachers who are not necessarily called to be pastors. But you cannot be a pastor who is not a teacher. You must make sure you are fulfilling your mandate. Then it says, not giving to wine. What does it mean here? The word describes a person who sits long hours and drinking, drinking, drinking until he's drunk and boost, not giving to wine. Yes, he's a drunkard. And the Bible has many, many things to say about drinking. How it can make you so, so—I mean, you, you become a, a, a disgrace to yourself. You say things you shouldn't say. I remember those jokes. That people when we're in school they used to say it, we come from we go to the boarding house and somebody say, I got drunk, and why do you get drunk? Well, I got drunk so that I have the power to go and say something to my mother or say something to this girl or say something to the headmaster, you get drunk. So I've hired a lawyer to do the same thing. No, that's what they say. The drink makes you do it. But the Bible says instead of being filled with wine, you must be filled with the spirit. So a pastor must not be given to wine. He must be given to the spirit of God. And the pastor must also be somebody who is not violent. Oh, being violent. The older one says, not a striker, not contentious, not looking for a fight. There are some who always want to fight. Always. That's their temperament. That's how they solve their problems. They don't want to talk. They want action action, very quarrelsome, fighting. Now, what do you get from that? Well, you may be able to beat some, but you cannot beat people into the kingdom of God. And remember, if you're such a violent person, one day, you'll get yourself into trouble. And these days, people are getting themselves into trouble, left and right, because of the law. Do not be violent. Let the Lord control your temperament. Another thing he says is that not greedy for filthy lucre. Verse 3C. Verse 3. I like that one. Not covetous. We all need resources for the ministry. We all need resources to live on. We all need to leave a lasting legacy for our children and our children's children. That's what the Bible says. But there are some who are so crafty that they are greedy, and they hide behind all kinds of things to collect money from their church members. Oh, I don't believe it happens again these days. A church member has brought a nice car to church. Suddenly, a prophet has seen that this car must go to the pastor. Or oh, you yourself standing there, you've seen this, saying, yes, the Lord has just revealed to me that I must have this car. Who told you that? Or I must have this house. Greed, greed, greed. I mean, not greedy for look-up. Paul will not have anything to do with people like that. He knows how to abound when he has a lot. He knows how to abound when he has nothing. He says, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3, If anyone teaches otherwise and does not contend with wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the doctrine which accords with godliness. What he's saying here is that he has more to say about money. But you see, you must look for the money in such a way that it accords with godliness. Yes, the laborer is worthy of his hire. It is more blessed to give than to receive. But you must not be one who is twisting arms because you are just simply greedy. After a while, people see it through. I've been in ministry for a while. I've taught people, I've taught students who tell me what they will get when they go into the ministry. And I tell them, at the end of the day, you can fool some people most of the time. You can fool, fool a few people all of the time. But you cannot fool all the people all the time. And I can see with tears in my eyes Some who have made a shipwreck of their faith. They followed their greed in looking for money, in chasing people's cars, in lying, getting credit, and messed up themselves. What have we been called to do? Matthew 6.33, the Lord says it. Matthew 6.33, Christ knows it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. God knows that you need it. And God will supply. The God who has called you. That's why from the beginning of this, Paul said, Timothy, be sure you know that it is God who has called you. It is God who will reward you. So there comes the next verse. Be patient. Be patient. Or be gentle, some translate it. The pastor must listen to people and be able to take criticism without reacting. He or she should permit others to serve God and the church without detecting to them be gentle you see you you listen to people you have ideas but you must be willing to carry people along it is not a military barracks it is not you are not conscripting people particularly if you are a baptist or you are a believer you believe that the spirit of god is in people also and you must lead them to the holy spirit guides them and you must not be a brawler you must not be a troublemaker. You are going around lobbying and causing trouble. You should not be. You must not be covetous. That's just cutting popularity. Large ministry. Doing things that are not part of your domain. You don't have the gift of prophecy. You don't have the gift of being an apostle. You don't have these. And you do anything you can. It will not help you. You must have a godly family as well. By verse 6 and 7. That's where i will end. You must not be a novice. You must not be novice. You must be tested. Don't be quick to lay hands on people. Don't be quick. Let the person be tried and tested. Sometimes people test people deliberately to see how you behave under circumstances like this. Like the church people were telling about this man when he goes to a funeral, how he behaves. Until you see a change in that person's life. Then he says verse 6, not a novice lest. Being puffed up with pride, he falls into the same condemnation as the devil. The devil, we are told, was a leader of choir. And he became so arrogant that God threw him away. It is an honorable thing to decide to answer the call to lead God's people. But there are standards we must follow. Is God calling you? Say, yes, Lord. Do you meet these standards? Say, Lord, help me. But I'm telling you, are you a believer in the Lord? Yes, the Lord has a plan for you. That plan has be followed so that God will use you in this generation. And in the world to come, you say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You are blessed. Come to the joy of your master. Let that be your story, your portion, your holy ambition. In Jesus' name.
0: You just heard the radio broadcast from Calvary Baptist Church headed by Reverend Dr. Fred Dagby. We trust you've been blessed. Do join us on Sunny FM every Saturday from eight to eight thirty PM for an awesome time in the Word of God. Locate us right opposite the Mr. Bigs Restaurant in Adabraka near the Kwame Nkrumah Interchange, as well. We're in Shiashi across the motorway from the Accra Mall. In Oibi, we're near the Cares Valley Event Center at the Goyal Filling Station. Our Amasamain campus is on the Danbridge Montessori School premises near the Amasamain Government Hospital. Again, we're in Botiano opposite the Bortiano Polyclinic. Otherwise, follow us on Facebook at Calvary Baptist Church GH and on YouTube at Calvary Baptist Church TV or email us via Ghana at yahoo.com. You can also call us on 024-369-0485 or 302 231 or reach us on WhatsApp number 0200-181680. God bless you.